0: Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th Inn Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know, news, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra Inn podcast with the 12th Inn Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. Another season is here. We are back. Yes, we are most certainly back. I'm Price Atkinson, joined by my colleague, my TESN colleague, Joe Calabrese. We are back for another season of the Extra Extra In Podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Joseph, it feels like forever since we've done this, but yet the summer flew by as it always does, and here we are the month of October, and we've already had a whole lot of curling action that's already taken place already. What is happening? Welcome back in.
1: Thanks, Price. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it used to be that October was the start of the curling season, but you know now it seems like uh, curling season never seems to end, does it?
0: No, it doesn't. It seems like it goes on all year long, and especially coming out of a quadrennial like we did, where everything... You know, kind of finish late, you know, an Olympic year, it feels like it goes later and later. Just not so much ice-wise, but because of the residual, residual stuff, especially with the Schuster, you know, Team Schuster and everything with the gold medal. It seemed like those guys were riding the curling wave all summer, and that thing still hasn't crested. And now with the Curling World Cup that's upon us, that started, um, you know, in the month of September, we had Curling Night in America filmed back in August, late August in Chaska. I mean, this thing—it was like you know, talking to Jamie Sinclair and and uh, Nina Roth and their teams up at the Elite Ten this past weekend. You know, it's kind of like a blink of an eye. It was like barely even a two-month summer, and here we are again, back at it. So, yeah, it is. Uh, it it got here quickly, but doesn't it always?
1: Yeah, it absolutely does. And you know, we've got you know events coming up this week too. I mean, it, this this uh, season. Just keeps rolling, and uh, there is no stopping it. We're going to be here for the whole season.
0: Yeah, we got a whole lot to bring you this year, uh, including one of our um, well, a lot of things that are similar to what we did before. We got interviews. We'll have a um, guest every week. You'll have uh, you know some roundtable banter and stuff with us, uh, our TS and colleagues. We'll sprinkle in a mix of guests all throughout the season, and then also something new that we're going to do. Joe and you kicked it off, and we'll have that for you here in a little bit we're going to be spotlighting different curling clubs from around the country. And if you've got any ideas, you need to let us know. If you want to have your club spotlighted, if your club is doing some neat, cool, different things, got some neat things happening, let us know. Let us know uh, what you guys are up to around the country with your specific clubs because we want to spotlight you we want to know what you're up to and let the curling world know because this is something if you, if you got especially if you have really neat things going on it's a great time to share some things uh you know with other clubs if things are working for your local club I know a lot of folks will be sharing things at the members assembly next week uh you know up in uh up in New York Joe but you know, the club spotlight, you uh, you kick it off with your home club right there in Rochester, and, and I really can't wait to bring that to everybody here in a little bit. But I think that was probably a lot of fun, especially especially to do your home club right out of the gate.
1: Yeah, it's certainly. The Rochester Curling Club's been around for more than 50 years, so I'm really excited to uh, bring you Chris Lee, the president of the Rochester Curling Club, with uh, the segment that you can't refuse uh, coming up a little bit
0: later. <laughs> well, you you coined the name of that, uh, that, that segment, the segment you can't refuse, and so that's what we're going to be spotlighting clubs throughout the country so again you want your club spotlighted let us know Uh, send us a note at the 12th in sports network facebook page uh, on twitter Uh, email us let us know uh, what you guys are up to because we got a whole long season ahead and i know we got a whole lot more curling clubs that have popped up around the country joe boy oh boy is curling taking hold in the united states after that gold medal it's been pretty awesome to watch from afar
1: yeah, you know what, and we didn't talk too much with Chris about uh, how full the leagues are in the Rochester Curling Club, but I'm I, just around the country, I'm hearing the same thing, that there's just not enough ice, and we yeah. need to we need to work on that, and you know, I'm, we'll be talking to some clubs that are going to be, uh, you know, down the road, we'll be talking to some clubs that are going to be going from arena ice to dedicated ice in the next couple of years, and that that's a great development for the sport of curling in the United States.
0: Without a doubt, Before we've we got a whole lot to get to, we're going to get to right here uh this week, our guests. this week, you're going to hear from Jamie Sinclair, uh, the skip of her team. They've got a little bit of a new flavor, new wrinkle uh, uh, in terms of their lineup. You hear from Nicholas Adin, uh the skip of Team Adine. Caught up with both of them up at the, uh, the Elite 10 this past weekend up at Chatham-Kent, Ontario. Had a lot of fun up there. It was my first slam. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Before we get before we really kind of work through this thing, Joe, how was your summer what what all brought uh, brought joy and I know your wife had a surgery everything went uh, smooth and swimmingly with that. How did the summer go? you started a new job I mean it, it's it, time a change but uh, you know a time for fun also in the summer to go uh, splish splash with the kiddos.
1: Yeah, it was a good time to not be working in the summertime as the heat here in Rochester was pretty terrific. You got out and did heat, some things. Heat?
0: Rochester? But, are you kidding me? Yeah,
1: it was just some 90-degree weather out here. And then uh, my wife needed to get a surgery. She went down to St. Petersburg, Florida, so I got even a little bit better weather uh, as we went down there for uh, a good month or so while she was recovering. And now we're back up here in town, and um, she's doing – really well and we're excited uh about the curling season which starts next week here in rochester we're going to be playing mixed together so it should be a good time oh
0: how about that husband wife team that's that that smells like curling at its finest right there joe
1: yeah i'm excited to do it it's uh it's it's probably a little bit overdue we hadn't played much except for uh you know the little morning league that uh, we played in the spring but uh it was time to time to get out there and do it and i'm gonna make another announcement here price all I, right.
0: Breaking, back. breaking news! This is breaking. That's right. All right,
1: I'm coming back to uh, semi competitive curling. My I have a team that's going to be playing club uh, playdowns in the GNCC, so we're pretty excited about that.
0: As so well. that means I'm going to lose you on a lot of weeks to do this podcast because you're going to be going to be going out kicking rear end all across the United States. That's what I'm hearing.
1: Well, actually, our plan is to play two events in Canada. Two two very small one-day events in Canada. Look at that's,
0: you! That's,
1: that's why I call it semi-competitive price, so you know.
0: Team Calabrese with B.A. Brian Anderson. Who are the other two? Let us oh, know. Oh, no.
1: no uh, B.A. is not part of this team,
0: unfortunately. He, di- he didn't he, make the team. That is breaking no, news he, as well. He declined.
1: he declined the invitation early on. And uh, we, actually, it's the, the truth of the matter is, with all the events that we have coming up, and we'll talk about that later, um, we, we just didn't have enough vacation time to do everything. So um, I've got... Uh, a team actually chris is going to be playing on that team um and i got bob williams as my vice and uh, uh excuse me um we are really excited to get out there and play a couple events uh before playdowns that are actually in rochester and that's one of the reasons why i'm doing this they're going to be doing it in december
0: mm, how about that how about that Well, that's awesome. Congratulations. Um, You know, one thing I was going to tell you real quick is I I think you would have a little bit of appreciation for this because before we get to the real serious stuff, so my daughter's birthday was two weeks ago, okay? She just turned six, Mm -hmm. and, you know, here in South Carolina, there's not a, a whole lot of ice. I mean, we get ice a couple times a year, and that's, you know, it's for an afternoon and usually late January, early February, three times a year maybe, and that's it, but... So, you know, seeing all this curling and daddy going away on trips and stuff like that, you know, the, the curling has become a little bit more of a flavor in the Atkinson household. So her birthday was a couple weeks ago, and as part of her birthday, we did a, a scavenger hunt on that Friday, September 21st, for her around the house. And so we hide these clues in <clears throat> in, you know, different places, and she's got to go back and forth. And finally, after eight, nine clues after my dad says, all right, are we almost done with this? Are we on, are we, are we almost to the end and the last clue? I said, just hang tight. So one of the last clues was we took, I took the curling stones. You remember the drink sippers that I caught UNBA <laughs> sipping on? You remember <laughs> those right. from the Olympic yeah. trials in Omaha? All right. About, so about two gallon worth. Yep. So we got one of those there. I got one. I brought back one, uh, one of those from home from the world championships and, um, uh, in Las Vegas, so we got two all right um, so it had two of them and my kids will put them on the floor and use their golf clubs pretending like they 're like they 're sweeping it 's really hilarious, but they had them out and so we were looking for clues and hiding places to hide her uh, scavenger hunt birthday clues and so we found uh, the perfect place we put one of them we unscrew the you know the drink top the curling stone, and put it in there and the clue that led to it is probably one of the ones she actually had one of the harder times with, no pun intended, was it said hurry hard hard, and that was to lead her to the curling stone where she would find it and open it. And she didn't understand right. it at first, but then she found. What where, where does Daddy go? Where you hear that a lot, sweetie. And so she finally got it, and she ran right over and she opened the right one on the first time. But it was pretty. I I, I told some curling friends about it this weekend up at the Elite Ten, and and they were they were they were impressed you know down in south carolina and uh, you know including curling you know in something that where it's still technically summer and was technically the last day of summer it was pretty creative joe you would have been proud and i hope you're proud
1: oh absolutely i love that you're you're bringing curling into the family uh, we we did something similar in the spring and, and not a scavenger hunt but we we included our kids in uh, they they made their birthday party a curling event so that was pretty exciting for us
0: awesome awesome all right we got a lot to get to, Joe. Let's uh, let's step away real quick. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the things that have kind of gone on, got us up until this point. Then you'll hear from uh, Jamie Sinclair, Nicholas Adine here, and just a little bit. Certainly, our the 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 segment you can't refuse. Do I have it right, Joe? That's the, right. The, the segment you can't refuse, where we're featuring. A different curling club from around the country this week. We're going to start in Joe's hometown, Rochester, New York. The Rochester Curling Club and President Chris Lee. That's what you're going to hear and a whole lot more coming up here on this first episode of the 2018-19 season of the Extra Extra and Podcast with the Wilton Sports Network. i All right, here we are back on the Extra Extra end. Bryce Atkinson, Joe Calabrese with the 12th Inn Sports Network. we got a whole lot to come to you here in this episode. Joe, before we get to some of the stuff in the offseason, we got some TESN programming notes to, uh, to let everybody know about. I want you to share the good news uh, about the expansion and expanding some coverage this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been doing uh, national championship webcasting each year for I think the last six or seven years. And we did the Olympic trials this past year. The USCA has asked us this year to take on the mixed doubles nationals in Seattle. And so, uh, we'll be taking the show on the road twice this season, uh, towards the, uh, middle and end of February for nationals and then mixed mixed doubles nationals. So we're pretty excited about it.
0: Yeah. Mixed, uh, mixed doubles growing like crazy, certainly off the heels of the Olympics. Uh, you know, I think the, the the future when it comes to mixed doubles is incredibly bright. Obviously you've got mixed doubles on is uh, part of the curling World Cup that's going on right now. Some really good prize money. Corey Dropkin and Sarah Anderson having a fantastic showing. You know, in that first curling World Cup in Suzhou, uh, China. Uh, but really, where the game could go, especially if you know the rumblings you hear about, uh, you know, two person curling. You know, for for men's and women's. You know, uh, you know, in pairs. So I mean, really exciting stuff. So I, I know it's an outstanding opportunity for for you guys and for us at the Twelve Sports Network to to be able to bring that to everybody. And more TSN TESN programming, the better, as I know right now also hiring, hiring.
1: That's right. Uh, we decided that uh, with the possible influx of new events that we needed to have somebody learn a little bit more about what we're doing in case uh, one of us gets hit by a bus, so to speak. And so we're actually in the middle of interviewing some people who may be able to help us out uh, for this year and for years down the road.
0: All right, that's that's awesome. Can't wait to bring that to everybody this season. You know, as we start embarking on another four years <laughs> ahead of the next Olympic Games, but that's a long way from now. And so let's get to you know a lot of stuff happened uh, over the summer. I feel like it was Joe right after we finished our last podcast within about a week or so. Um, I felt like the timing gods were not with us, but, you know, nonetheless, the new high-performance program teams were named about two weeks after, I think, our last episode uh, in the spring. And, you know, on the women's side, uh, you know, that's really more where the, the shakeup and in, in, in the changes came, so to speak, uh, namely with Team Christensen and, and Team Sinclair. And not to rehash everything, but, you know, just to get everybody up to speed, is Team Roth, they stayed the exact same. But really the biggest change was from Team Sinclair's spot, they moved Vicky Persinger to Team Christensen, and it's basically and it's what is, amounts to a trade. Persinger to Team Christensen, Team Sinclair gets the Anderson twins as Taylor you know, is going to be their fifth, but really has played up to this point uh, all season just because of the mixing and matching. Alex Carlson missing the Elite 10 and then Sarah on. World Curling Cup duty with Corey Dropkin, but you know some changes. You know, really, that we saw on those two teams, and then Madison Bayer is the other addition to Team Christensen. So, really, kind of, if there was any shakeup, it w- it was definitely on the women's side. Joe, what were your thoughts seeing the new lineups?
1: You know, I, I certainly was a little bit surprised that uh, the the two for one trade, so to speak, the Andersons for Persinger, kind of happened. Uh, Sinclair finished the season so strong, uh, winning a slam at the end of the season. Um, but I think both teams sort of get what they need, you know, out of this deal. Um, Christensen really could use somebody with Persinger's experience. Um, Vicky's going to be throwing vice rocks, it looks like, and I think that that's a really good move, both for for Vicky personally, but also for the team in general. And then I think Sinclair gets uh, the Anderson sisters, who are very versatile, can play a number of different positions. Um, and and I believe, you know, as a five person team, that may come in very handy um, as they have probably a ton of events lined up for this season
0: yeah I, I I definitely think and you know coming out of a quadrennial to see some things changed up because you know a lot of ways you need that shot in the arm that's just different you know there's an excitement when you join a new team new dynamics and stuff and I I know Vicky you know getting to move up and and throw vice rocks that 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 was that's a big opportunity for her but also the Anderson twins you know to kind of move and, and change things up a little bit for them i was talking with both of them you know coming back from uh you know from ontario driving back to detroit over the weekend and just you know really excited just you know simply a little bit of a you know new team dynamic just something different and that can always energize you as a player um you know when you move to a new squad but you know as i mentioned team roth they they're not going anywhere the only change they made was the addition of Tara Peterson. That wasn't a change. That was bringing her on as uh, the fifth on that team. And now with Eileen Geving, that was her last event this past weekend at the Elite 10 because she's due on New Year's Eve with her uh, first child. So Tara going to really slide in. I believe she's going to throw um, lead rocks for Team Roth, and Becca going to keep throwing you know, second rocks.
1: Yeah, not gonna find a better uh, replacement for for Eileen than than Tara. Uh, yeah, it's just a really smart pick and and one that's gonna pay off for him this season, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, on the men's side, we look down at Team Schuster. They they are simply pretty much unchanged. We knew Tyler George, you know, was stepping away, and Chris Plies moves in to his slot, throwing us, you know, Vice Rocks there. So that's really that only change. I don't think they're going to miss a beat, really. You know, Tyler certainly brought a lot to that team, but Chris is as much of a veteran as really anybody around USA Curling with his, you know, depth and experience, and certainly his tight relationship with Hammy. I know those two guys really wanted to play together again, so, you know, pretty cool opportunity for for him. And then, you know, on the – uh Rich Ruinen's team, you know, Persinger, Ruinen, Colin Huffman and Phil Tilker, those guys, they're not going anywhere as they had a hell of a finish to the season last year starting by winning nationals and then going to the world championships in Vegas and, and giving everybody all they wanted making the playoffs. Yeah, you know,
1: um I think you know, you wouldn't like to see a change in a gold medal winning team, but if you're going to have to make that change, you know, bringing Chris Plies on for Tyler's is a pretty good pretty good uh switch there. Yeah. Um Tyler obviously had sort of he has a full complement of shots, and I think that you know, but he's sort of known for the soft weight kind of stuff. Chris, little known more for more of the the upweight hits. Um, so we'll have to see kind of how that changes their team dynamic and how that maybe changes their strategy long term. But uh, it's nice to see Rich Runin and uh, Greg and, and Colin and Phil sticking together after a really successful season. Um, But, you know, what about the Young Bucks? You know, you got Dropkin and Howell and Fenner and Fenson. I mean, you know, that's that's a very talented team. Yeah. And uh and, and Fenner's going to throw through a second and skip. So that's going to leave Corey available to do more sweeping. I think that that's always a good thing.
0: Yeah, and you got to have Corey sweep because I I'd contend there to call him one of the top 3 sweepers in men's curling in the United States. That is that's very conservative. I I I know there's some arguments about whether he would be the best or, you know, Derek McLean is is very underrated because of his you know uh, his size, but his technique is as good as is most you'll find with the power he puts on the broom and the ice. But I mean, Corey, you got to have sweeping, and and that team, you know, really a, just a reunion of that 2016 junior team. So, you know, Corey Dropkin, Tom Howell, Mark Fenner, and Alex Fenson; those guys know each other's game really, really well. That should gel pretty quickly. Is you know, in their first event, they made it to the uh, they made it to the finals before they before they bowed out. Yeah, you know what, Price? I would also uh,
1: like to ask our listeners to check out uh, Corey Dropkin's latest video. It was sort of like a workout video. Yeah, dude has some serious guns like holy crap like that. I don't know if he ever makes it out of the gym. I don't know how you could make have arms that big. That's silly.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was really well done, and I know uh, Corey really excited about it. You know, trying to get it out and about. I just wish he had some more. I, I wish there were some more interview, like you know, real short clips of him talking. That's the only yeah. thing I wa- I wish that that it had in it. But I mean, in terms of the the production, I mean, it was just it was fantastic. So well done, Corey. The HP program coaching changes. I think maybe the most the biggest change. Well, two things. Number one. Uh, Pete Vincent moving in uh, and joining the staff. I think that's that's something that certainly everybody pay attention to. But I think the other big thing is that all of the different teams are going to have their own personal coaches this year. That they're not going to be sharing coaches like you know uh, Phil Drobnik You know shared time you know with some teams before and Scott Baird. And I think the fact this year that all all the and that's something I know talking with the athletes that they really wanted for a long team a long time that. The coaches were theirs. They weren't shared. They weren't, uh, you know, they weren't having to kind of play it down the middle. That they have their own guys or their own coaches with them to work directly with them, and nobody else. I think that's a big. I think that's a huge change and a needed one.
1: Yeah, you know what? I think it's it's definitely needed. When you thinking back to the trials and how these teams really. They, they had to use their fifth players for their timeouts because they had shared coaches and it was it wouldn't be fair for their co- one coach to come down and help you know, their team you know, one team over another. Um, I, I think that's a great development. It, it, it there'll be some camaraderie, I'm sure, that will build um, and some trust. And that's always a good thing to have, you know, really great uh, trusting relationship with your coach.
0: Yeah, it it certainly is. And Brian Cochran, you know, got to meet a couple of the coaches uh you know, this past weekend at the Elite Ten, which I'll talk about here in a second. But Brian Cochran, uh gonna be uh with team uh it's going to be with Team Sinclair, and then Howie Vestal. He's going to be with uh, Nina Ross' team. So, really enjoyed meeting those two guys from up in Canada, uh, working with the two women's teams. But uh, you know, as Coach Phil moves into that Director of Coaching kind of overseeing role, Derek Brown not moving anywhere. Speaking of, we'll have Derek Brown next weekend as a guest on the on the podcast here. As I caught up with him at the Elite Ten over the weekend, but uh, you know, I, I just think it's an awesome awesome chance to um, you know have those coaches you know working with their respective. You know, teams. So the
1: only the only thing that I I'm going to miss is uh, having uh, Phil make that strut down uh, to the ice during timeouts. I'm oh, gonna miss it'll, that.
0: it'll never get old. I mean, the Phil strut will never get old. I, I he'll we know he'll be filling in at some point. That, you know, we're we're going to get the Phil strut. Uh, it's points through the year. It's just we're not going to get with the unfortunate regularity that we had before, but. That's okay. It's a great move for him, and you know, excited excited for Coach Strobnik. But, you know, over the weekend, Joe got got my first Grand Slam experience up in uh, Chatham, Kent, Ontario. It was a little tiny venue. Chatham is a a, kind of a small farming town, about an hour, maybe a little bit more south of Toronto. Uh, London, Ontario, where our good friend Jerry Gertz lives. It kind of sits between them. And you know, it was the first time that Chatham had, had a Grand Slam there. And it was in a small venue at the, we uh, believe it was the St. Clair uh, College campus right there. Tiny, real small venue. But it was perfect because it wasn't too big. Hardly any empty seats, especially when the afternoon and evening draws. But in the morning, you had a few empty seats. But, man, the atmosphere was fantastic, especially for that first weekend or that first Grand Slam event of the season, boy, and it really delivered with some great play over the weekend. The only thing is, you know, it was a little bit of an adjustment period for a lot of people getting back to curling, not because the season was starting again, but because you were basically playing match play. It was skins.
1: Yeah, there were some pretty funky rules for this event, weren't there, Price? It sounded like that, one, that they weren't allowed to use any stopwatches, which I think they've done in some previous slams, but this was uh, carried over from that, and then, I think for the first time they were not allowed to play any kind of tick on a center line guard. And, yep. Um, and if they did, I think the rock was removed. Um, very, um, tricky. Cause if you're trying to play those come arounds and you wind up a little tight, you're going to touch it. Yep. And, uh, so that changes your strategy I think a little bit.
0: Yep. A lot of teams, uh, changed up a lot of strategy. Some just kind of threw the book and just said, let's just see what happens. Some, you know, really had a game plan. Like, um, you know, and specifically plan for it. Like Team Hasselberg, um, they brought in Wayne Madaw to coach their team because he's such a veteran of, of skins and match play, and it paid off as Team Hasselberg. You know, full disclosure, another team that I've, I've been working with off the side on the digital media side was really thrilled for them uh, to win the whole thing as Nina Roth and Jamie Sinclair. Unfortunately did not make the playoffs, but uh, Hasselberg and them, they had that strategy, and they stuck to it, uh, not losing a single game the whole time, including beating beating Rachel Holman in uh, pool play and then knocking them out in the semifinals, and then they beat Tier in the final. But, you know, it it was really – some people would contend it's good where they put the Elite 10. I personally don't – I like the – I think the match play is okay. It's kind of like – it's kind of it, some people would say it's not real curling. It's tricked out, you know, it's some made for TV type of thing. I don't necessarily agree with that. I I I don't mind having a little bit of a different format doing something different. I just think it would be better somewhere in the middle of the season as opposed to right at the very beginning. Um but but none, Yeah, you know
1: what? I'm sorry. No, Price, go ahead. But, I mean, they have so many slams. This is maybe the the one downside of having as many slams as they do. Well, there's only seven. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I've sort of think of a slam as four, and so when you when you wind yeah. up with seven, you know, you're trying to fit them into different spots and, and to differentiate them, you know, it might be a little difficult. Like when you look at tennis, for example you know, they play on different surfaces. And so that changes, you know, who might be the favorite for a particular event. Sure. You, know, you can't really change the surface that much, but these changes of the rules that I, I kind of like the idea that, you yeah. know, one event might be match play, another event might be something else. And, you know, maybe they're playing five rock with the, that tick rule we talked about, and maybe sometimes they're not. And I think that there's some, some benefit to having um, events with different skills highlighted
0: yeah is you know the 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 highlighted teams for the US Nina Roth and Jamie Sinclair both ironically in that same pool with uh Casey Scheidegger, uh Rachel Homan uh got the other one escapes me than them two. um but it was Nina beats Rachel Homan uh for only I believe what the second time in her career they beat Holman in pool play, and all they needed to do was beat Jamie that next morning uh, to qualify. Because you win two games out of the pool, you're in the you're in the quarters. You, you qualify, but Jamie uh-huh. uh, Jamie gets Nina, and so that means basically they go to their final game having to win. I believe Nina played Hasselberg, and they got beat. And then Sinclair got behind on Scheidegger pretty early, and they lost. So. Unfortunately, especially on the women's side, having three teams in at hasselberg's um uh Sinclair and Roth, the three teams I was working with on the digital media side of things knocked out of it uh from the u s standpoint so that that kind of stunk i was I was def- I mean, certainly wanted both teams to qualify, but I really just said, "Come on, let's just get one in because that was a pretty stinking tough pool they were in but you know, I the, smell
1: conspiracy, Price. Well, I mean, you put, put both those U.S. teams in the same pool. I don't know about that.
0: <laughs> well, I kind of thought that when I saw it, too. But at the same time, you have two teams from the United States on the women's side ranked in the top ten in the world. That's, I'll take that any day, especially to start the season. But let's go ahead and hear from Jamie Sinclair here real quick on the Extra Extra and Podcast all right jamie we're here in chatham first slam but you know not talking about things on the ice right now let's just go back to the summer you've had a pretty eventful summer what is this home renovation project you've been up to at home
2: oh my goodness um it is something else i think i may have bit off more than i can chew (laughs) i uh there's just a property that i had to get my hands on it happened to be a chapel so pretty unique i'm all about that and uh we had to do. We did a lot of work. Um, just had to take it back down to the studs. I'm. I got a new weld. You know, drilled. I'm hooking it up. I'm uh, framing new windows. Framing the two bedrooms. It's. It's been a lot of fun, but uh, it's going to be a while before it's done. That's for sure. <laughs>
0: If anybody follows you, and tons of our listeners do on the x podcast, follow you on Twitter and Instagram, they know that you're a girl that likes to get your hands dirty. What has been your favorite part of the project?
2: Oh, it's got, it's got to be the demolition, 100%. Like, it's not even a question. It's just, it's so fun to take down some walls and, you know, swing that sledgehammer. It's just, it's uh. It's a little bit therapeutic as well. You know, I get some anger out, you know, work out some issues banging on those studs, but uh yeah, that's that's definitely the the best part. But also, you know, putting the pretty stuff back in. Like I picked out tile the other day, and I was just over the moon because you know things are coming together, and it's gonna it's gonna be pretty again soon.
0: I know you're obviously really close to your family and having mom, dad, brothers. You know to have a part in this who who has been the most instrumental who has been down and dirty with you the whole time
2: well well my mom's been pretty good she's a great sport um she had to take out the old toilet which was not a fun job um but uh my dad's kind of he's the one that's always there he's taught me everything i know so uh, whenever i have any questions he's always the the guy that i go to for any advice or anything
0: all right uh you know getting back to the ice here have some time off this summer the mental grind you go through the physical grind of a quadrennial and everything the way the last season transpired you got some redemption kind of of your own i know it wasn't the redemption but winning the players championship the most prestigious on tour really kind of catapulting you guys into the summer i know that had to feel good What did the summer do for you mentally, physically, just to kind of get ready again and reset?
2: Yeah, I think the summer was key. I think it was really important to, like you said, we had a good finish to the end of the year. I think it would have been really easy for us to kind of uh, back down and and give up a little bit at the end of the year. But we didn't um, kind of proved ourselves a little bit but the summer was important to to take that break that we needed you know after a tough olympic trials after a tough uh, world championship yeah. so um and physically as well like i i almost took two full months off of any lower exercises um just to to give the hips a break you know yeah. curling's hard it's asymmetrical it's hard on your hips so to um, take that time to, to, to let your body heal, you know, get squared up again. And, and then you can really start with that physical training and then practices.
0: I know you probably go through that last shot at the trials, probably run it through your mind here and there. What, what did you learn, not just from that, but the way you overcame a lot of adversity, especially with that, with the Players' Championship, but then the World Championships? You guys were right there just on a couple draws from getting on that podium
2: yeah the biggest thing was learning uh how we how we do under pressures learning you know what are our tendencies what are areas that we can improve on how do we feel in those kind of pressure s- situations i had never felt like that all week it was insane i was yeah. not prepared for it um but i learned from it and I, uh, I i brought that knowledge into further championships into other finals and um I, I like to think that I that I uh, ch- made the right uh, changes you know yeah. um, and performed better this second go around but yeah it was basically just learning what you do in in that uh, high stress high pressure situation
0: the word changes you guys made some changes to the lineup not major changes but the Anderson twins come in Vicki moves uh, to Corey's team. Mm-hmm. Probably, and I'm guessing, the energy that you kind of inject with a little bit of a new lineup, there's a little bit of giddiness fun to it. What have the changes been like so far?
2: Yeah, I think um, we're going through the normal uh, stages of change. <laughs> we may still be in the honeymoon stage, uh, just enjoying the fact that uh, we have these two amazing girls uh, joining the team. You know, They have great energy, great spirits, they're great teammates out there, so it's been a lot of fun so far. Um, we do obviously uh, think it's really important for us to try to get our deliveries all on the same page. Um, very consistent. So we're gonna be experiment, experiment experiencing a lot of um, just performance de- uh, challenges because of those delivery changes. So we'll go through you know a little bit of that lull, but hopefully in the long run, it'll help us uh, get right back to the top.
0: Last question for you, moving away from the slam here in Chatham. You guys uh, had some success taking, uh beating Nina, in one of those games, kind of interesting that you play. You know the the they, pretty awesome too. to have two U.S. teams here ranked right. in the you know top ten in the world that get to play in the first slam. But where do you guys? What's the fall moving forward? You obviously have more slams. You got uh, Truro will be at up in Nova Scotia in, in October. But moving from here, what's the plan? Where do you guys go?
2: It's uh, it's a lot of curling. We from here we're going to Calgary. We're going to Portage the Prairie. Going to the slam um spending a lot of time uh we have like training weeks scheduled in minnesota as a team like i said just to all get on the same page practice together as much as we can learn each other's deliveries and um we're just trying to you know pile that all in early on in the season so that uh, we can get the results that we want in in the second half
0: as always appreciate it
2: all right thank you all
0: right that was jamie sinclair talking about her summer Her new lineup and everything they've got going Uh, on the men's side, Joe, we didn't have any U.S. flavor to it. Maybe the biggest surprise, I guess really a couple stories, uh, besides Team Gushu and their blue pants that they uh, debuted, probably Reed Carruthers and his team uh, making it all the way with Mike McEwen now throwing Vice Stones for them. Um, That was a big storyline for me. And then also Nicholas Adine, those guys, they don't even win a game.
1: Yeah, when have you ever heard that happen?
0: Well, they, I mean for- that, that that never yeah. happens. Format, so I, yeah, the format so didn't exactly work well for them, and they admit it. I, I went to lunch with them, was talking with them. That they that format is not really their game, but and they they know that they knew that. But yeah, you don't expect to see Nicholas Sidine's team go zero and four and, and basically get bounced. And believe it or not, the final draw on Thursday night. They or Friday night, they still mathematically had a shot. If Moet and Jacobs had both lost and Dean had beat Jacobs, they would have gotten in with just one win the way it would have worked out. It's crazy, but it's true.
1: Wow, that's uh pretty unusual to get in with that kind of record, but it happens every once in a while.
0: Yeah, it should happen. I mean, winning one game in a round robin should not qualify you. But real quick, here's Nicholas Dean uh, you know, talking about his summer. You know, a summer filled with a couple surgeries on his elbow, on his back, uh, you know, just kind of regrouping again for another long season. Here's the sweetest skip. All right, here with my friend Nicholas Adeen Nicholas, you know, another season here is upon us. But, you know, before we kind of get into the season, just real quickly, you've had a pretty fairly eventful offseason, getting a few things prepared. Just tell everybody, how are you doing and how's everything going? Uh, it's actually starting to look pretty, pretty good again. Uh,
3: it was a really eventful summer. I had a lot of... Uh, Plans uh, booked up this summer. I, I wanted to get away a bit from curling and like do other fun stuff, see friends and family, and do some traveling uh, that is not uh, related to curling. Uh, just get away from it for a bit and uh, and relax a bit. But then uh, needed to do a couple of surgeries. They were supposed to be pretty quick and and uh pretty short more fairly short rehab but then uh turned out i needed a third one needed to open up the the elbow again and then with that and then i had to move out of my apartment too that wasn't really planned so uh with those things in mind it just became a really long and uh, too eventful summer so not much uh of a relax there but uh uh, getting back to it now and uh, the injury starts to feel uh, good again the rehab has gone really well so I'm expecting to be back on track in, uh, in a few weeks but then uh, the mental aspects of it is uh, a little different I, I'm not really sure how long that will take I uh, need, to, need to feel uh, relaxed again I think mentally to be able to focus uh, on curling again so uh, how, how long that will take I'm not really sure but right now we're not doing too well so hopefully, hopefully we can get a couple of wins under our belts and then uh, hopefully it gets easier from there And it was a long season last year, obviously the
0: Olympics, I mean, the grind, not just the physical, but the mental side of things. And then you go into the summer and not have much time because you guys come right back and head over to the Curling World Cup, the inaugural one in China. Really not much time to get that mental break as you're having to gear back up once again. Exactly, yeah, and uh, I I actually uh, planned in
3: a couple of curling events this summer too, just to to not get away from from the curling part itself uh, too far because of the surgeries. Because I knew I couldn't train as much when I got back, like in August, when we put the ice in before the first event, I couldn't couldn't really do those uh, kind of long sessions where you throw hundreds of rocks and just uh, get back to it that way that that I normally do in a, in a preseason. Uh so so now I kind of kept uh a few events in there just like fun events but but still um sliding every month at least so so that I could quicker come back with less practice in August because I I just couldn't do more than uh, than what I did this time but then uh, um yeah then again uh, like it, it becomes a really long season when you yeah. do it like that if if you don't have those like 3 months off anymore now it's more like two weeks off uh, <laughs> on a good summer. So, uh, yeah, long long seasons, and I think that's what we'll see in the future as well with the World Cup sending in uh, mid-May and then seasons starting in uh, late August, and you've got to practice before that too. So uh, really long curling seasons now, and we, we better just be prepared for it.
0: Outside of the physical part of it, but you've been through several, obviously, quadrennials, compete at the Olympics several times. But coming out of another one, what is the mental the mental fatigue like going through a four-year quadrennial cycle then you have to you know start and get ready to gear back up and do it again how taxing how how tough is that mental part of it uh, I think it's
3: both tough but also part of the the fun going through those four-year cycles yeah. like you're um, the first one we did I remember we were super excited pretty much like the whole time The, the those four years uh, just flew by really fast we had a a ton of fun we practiced more than probably any teams out there and we uh we did really well but then after that i i kind of just felt that i i don't think i can do another four years just like that like all in all the time uh we, we probably need to to kind of take it a little bit easier the season after the Olympics and then kind of like semi easy the, the season after that. But then then the next season you, you have to perform really well to kind of get into the Olympic season on a high. So um, I, I would say like this season now is going to be a little more relaxed for our um, sake. We're not going to practice as much and, not spend too many hours on the on the road if we can, but uh, uh, at the same time we need to we need to play enough to, to stay high in the rankings. and we need to win enough money to to make a living as well. So uh, it's a it's a tricky wheel to to spin around all the time. But um, uh, I, I think it's it's part of the fun as well. Like we're full time athletes, so uh, we shouldn't expect anything less than that either. Like we we're, we want to work our asses off to 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 be in the top in, in a sport like curling.
0: All right last question for you here in in Chatham Ontario first slam the Princess auto elite you guys had a little bit of a rough week uh, no didn't go the way you wanted didn't qualify but still it's it's you guys have started slow sometimes before, but I know that you know there's no alarm button being pressed by certainly you guys or any fans you know it's a long season and plus this this format's just a little bit different here playing skins in the match play
3: yeah we we did really well the I think it was the second year that you ran this event. We did really well and then after that kind of people uh, including ourselves kind of thought this this format really fits as well with the the skins kind of format and the the angle runbacks and triples and uh, bailout shots and whatever but i I think uh, this format actually never really sued us really well that year that we, that we made the final we the ice suit us really well and we we were in great form and we played fantastically well and we beat some top teams uh, playing probably the the best curling we've ever played in the semifinal and uh, the final there uh so um we, we did really well that year but all the other years actually we, we've failed to qualify so i'm i'm not really that surprised to be honest with uh, with the season uh, we had behind us and then the summer we've had behind us as well i'm uh, I I thought we we needed to do really well to make playoff here, and we we still had a, a shot even in the last game too uh, to make it. But uh, uh, we definitely didn't didn't deserve it this time, and we're we're gonna just try and uh, do better
0: next time. Can't wait to see you down the road. Always appreciate the time. Good luck. Thank you. All right, Joe, that'll kind of do it from uh, from the Elite Ten. I gotta tell you, I had some great great time. It, you might have to join us at one of these because Nerd HQ. I think I think you'd have some fun with it. I I won't spoil that for. <laughs> for what that's all about. But getting to see our, our good friend Jerry Gertz, hang out with him for the weekend. And I tell you, got to spend some QT with our uh, friend Lori with two girls in a game. Lori uh, came oh, down. Yeah, so we um, was hoping to record a segment, but the, the weekend got away from us. It, it just got too quick. But, you know, got to hang out with Lori, got to hang out uh you know, with a, you know a lot of people off the ice, which was just a lot of fun to kind of reconnect, especially after that long summer there in, in Ontario, and especially to feel fall finally in the air, which it's still almost ninety degrees here in South Carolina. But yeah, great great time over the weekend at the Elite Ten.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to uh, come out to one of these events when they make it to Southern Ontario again. This one ha- kind of snuck up on me, unfortunately, but uh, we'll have to make it out for the next one out there.
0: Yeah, we got uh, Thunder Bay, I believe that's our next Ontario swing, and then uh, certainly the Players Championship. Maybe you join us for the Players Championship in Toronto. We'll, we'll find a play. We get we'll get you bunked up with one of us. We got plenty of room, but uh, we got plenty of season left here uh, in the 2018, 2019 season. All right, Joe, let's go ahead and step away. Let's go ahead. When we come back, let's go ahead and bring your interview the segment you can't refuse from the Rochester curling club and president Chris Lee. I know you had some fun doing this. Just give us a quick tease. What everybody's going to hear with Chris Lee.
1: Oh boy. We're going to talk a little bit about how, how long the curling club has been around, which we're never, not quite sure of. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what we're going to do about the five rock rule at our club. Uh, just uh, the growth of the game in the Rochester Curling Club. And uh, we did have a lot of fun. It was good to do, and I can't wait to do some more.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll bring you that interview, the segment you can't refuse, the Rochester Curling Club and President Chris Lee. It's next here on the Extra Extra Podcast with the 12th Men Sports Network.
4: Make him an offer he
1: can't refuse. Welcome back to the extra extra end, and welcome to the segment that you can't refuse. It's the Godfather Joe Calabrese, and we're doing something a little different this year on the podcast. We're going to be profiling curling clubs from across the country, and we're going to start in my hometown of Rochester, New York, with the Rochester Curling Club. Please welcome to the uh, extra extra end podcast, Rochester Curling Club President Chris Lee. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks.
4: Thanks for having me. You know,
1: before we get started talking about the club, tell me a little bit about how you got started in curling.
4: Well, uh, about eight or nine years ago, uh, it was the year after the Winter Olympics, uh, my wife and I were flipping through the the town flyer with the activities listed. And one of the activities available was a learn-to-curl program. And at, up to that point, I had no idea that there was a, a curling club in Rochester. Uh, so we thought that would be a, a lot of fun. And on the first night of uh, the, our Learn to Curl session, which at our club, uh, Learn to Curl is uh, five weeks of, uh, of uh, real training on the basics of the sport, including uh, etiquette and uh, basically the whole process of, of a curling event. And really, on the first night, after throwing a few rocks, I knew this was going to be my winter sport.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, we all, you know, we get out there and we catch the bug. And that's why we're listening to the podcast, I guess. Uh, so, Chris, you know, you've been the president of the Curling Club for a couple of years. Tell us a little bit about the Rochester Curling Club.
4: So the Rochester Curling Club is a growing club. Uh, we've been around since the uh, what 1950s. Oh, now you're going to, hang on. I might want to edit this answer. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Over 50 years. Let's put it that
4: way. Over 50 years. That's right. The year I started was the 50th anniversary. So it's been about 58 years uh, at the club. And uh, we are a four-sheet club. We have a membership of uh, a little bit over 250 total curlers. Uh, I think that includes our junior program as well and uh it's it's a great group of volunteers that keeps the club uh, rolling forward and uh, it's a great atmosphere with a great warm room and great ice
1: yeah let's talk a little bit about some of these uh, these great elements of the club I mean the club has been around for 50 years and you know I've been back at the club I think for about eight myself uh, after leaving town for a little while um, and a lot's changed in those eight years we've we gotten uh, quite a few improvements uh, over those years, haven't we? Uh,
4: yeah. So uh, the club is doing well financially with the, uh, the growth in membership uh, and interest in the sport in general associated with the addition of the uh, Winter Olympics. And uh, since we are a, a club that's been around long enough that we're low debt, we were able to uh, start investing in uh, general improvements to the club. So uh, in, the, in the eight years I've been here, we've replaced the compressor, uh, new roof, uh, a, a completely renovated warm room, which if you've been to any of our uh, events in the last uh, Three years uh, you'll definitely notice that it's uh, a vast improvement over our uh, original uh, warm room uh, with better layout better flow um, better lighting it's uh, just a a really uh, nice series of improvements we've made that I think everybody benefits from
1: yeah not to mention we got new rocks a couple years ago
4: and, oh, that's right. New rocks, yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, web streaming too. So, I mean, in all those eight years, we've done quite a bit. And the men's locker room even got new lockers last year. So, I mean, we're the new, new-ish lockers. Let me put it that way. Uh, but the club's doing <laughs> really well.
4: Yeah, we've been we've been in uh, a stable stable atmosphere. So, the the nice thing about uh, being cash flow positive is if people come forward, and it's an all volunteer club, which is a lot of uh, what. What keeps us in a uh, healthy state. Uh, when people come forward with uh, suggestions for improvements to the club, if they're willing to help make it happen, uh, generally the board's able to approve almost any request.
1: So, And the club has grown quite a bit over the last few years. We've talked about the Olympic boom and what that's meant to uh, the club in general and clubs all across the country. Um, how do you think, you know, the club is going to be able to manage that growth going forward?
4: yeah that's actually a pretty big issue right now uh, our evening leagues all all week are completely full this draw and that's uh, after just a couple weeks of open enrollment essentially so uh, yeah it's a it's a big concern we have to balance um, the need to continue growing our membership to avoid getting into the uh, the, the problems that some of the Canadian clubs have, where they had such a lo- big backlog to join that uh, people stopped even trying to join, I think they started having some me- membership decline in some of those clubs. So I'm I, I don't I personally think that it's better to have uh, a little bit of surplus demand than get into a place where uh, where your membership ages out and there's no younger um, members to backfill so yep. that's going to lead to some you know decisions we're gonna have to decide if we're going to expand the club physically to increase capacity I think we can still add a few more uh, shifts frankly to the club we have we have some open open days left that we can uh, add leagues in uh, but I think we are going to have to start having a serious discussion internally about uh, do we expand or do we cap membership
1: that's a pretty big challenge that we have facing the the club uh, we're just reset here. This is Chris Lee, president of the Rochester Curling Club. Um, Rochester has a, a – well, let's talk quickly about uh, your decision uh, to join the board in the first place. A lot of people uh, out there uh, have that choice to join a curling club board. You know, How long ago was it that you made that decision, and what, what was your – why did you make that decision?
4: I think it was the uh, – actually, the first year I was eligible to be on the board. I think it was my fourth year, so right after uh, intermediate – is that right? I think so. Right, right after I uh, became a full member, uh, I was already curling three nights a week, sometimes four. And I was, I, I sort of th- felt that if I'm going to be uh, such a heavy user of the club, I probably should be uh, giving back as much as I can. And uh, there was a search for new uh, board members to uh, basically run in the election. And uh, I decided I was... Uh, something I could do manage to uh, give back to the sport that I love
1: yeah I'm gonna ask you what the biggest challenge is but I'm gonna guess that the biggest challenge is listening to people like me who aren't on the board <laughs> that have lots of ideas right. uh, tell me actually you tell me what you think what do you think is the biggest challenge of being a curling club board president
4: uh, being on the board uh, is it's a matter of uh, trying to Decide what is best for the membership. You know, a lot, a lot of times we, we make day-to-day decisions all the time, and uh, the goal is to um, basically make it as as good an experience as possible for our, uh, for our stakeholders, which are, are our members, our volunteers, and the greater community. Uh, because we have a, a, as a as a nonprofit, our mission is to spread the word on curling. So we have some obligations in all those areas and balancing those. I, you know, one of the big things is you know, some, of the, some of the, what I would say, hardcore curlers would love to have less groups because then the ice would be a little cleaner. Uh, but realistically, the groups are providing a substantial portion of our financial health and uh, then keeping the members, uh, the, the, especially the vo- heavy volunteer members, uh, engaged and happy is probably the number one goal. Yeah. It's just a balancing act.
1: Yeah, you talked a little bit about uh, the groups that we have in uh, to the club on a pretty regular basis. It, that Rochester has a very unique, I think, revenue model because we're mostly volunt- we are an all-volunteer club. Uh, but we have a ton of groups that come in through uh, year after year. A lot of repeat groups. Um, tell us a little bit about what how that works for us. How do we pull that off?
4: Well, um, so our group system—it's uh, a what I, w- I would call an extremely strong um, format that we use. I think it's similar to a lot of uh, what other clubs use as a learn to curl format. So what we call learn to curl is a little bit more in depth, and what we call a, a group is more like uh, a one-off curling event. Uh, it's a it's a uh, two hours of ice time with about a half hour of uh, pre, uh, pregame time on, in the warm room. And, uh, we, we generally have our, we have very little open ice time, uh, after you account for groups. Uh, so that means that, uh, throughout the season, when we're not, uh, using the ice for leagues or, uh, practice ice or bond spiels, uh, it's generally pretty heavily booked with, uh, with uh, non-member groups. So that's like uh, your local corporate group, uh, team-building exercises, things like that. And generally, those those are very good. Our uh, our groups, they get um, a solid hour and a half of playtime on the ice. They can get a few ends in, get a real feel for how the game works. And, you know, some of them uh, get interested enough to come back as members. And we have a lot of recurring groups. so. Mm-hmm
1: they can uh, reserve time and there's a fee for the amount of time that they're there. And then, you know, they can stop and grab a drink or two afterwards.
4: Uh, Yeah. So the, the general uh, there's a a fixed fee, which is uh, pretty reasonable per person for the ice time. And then you can also uh, purchase extended uh, uh, warm room time. So you can use that for meetings or just socializing afterwards. depends on what, what type of group it is. Sometimes there's uh, uh, business strategy me- meetings going on before and after uh, the curling event. Uh, so the that
1: whole, the whole, you know, team building activity.
4: That's right. So you can, you can use it for more than just uh, getting out on the ice. Although I think most of our groups are focused on the ice time, which yeah, makes absolutely. sense.
1: So I have one final question for you, Chris, as we uh, enter the uh, season. We're just a couple weeks away here in Rochester. Uh, five rock rule something the USCA has uh, put out. There is going to be the rules of play uh, world curling federation, the rules of play. Are, are we going to be implementing the five rock rule in our club play and our bond fields this season?
4: Yes, we are. So uh, our club is going fully to the, the five rock world uh, rule to keep in compliance. Uh, I've, You know, asked several of our our members about it, and uh, nobody really knows if it's going to have a significant impact on league play. It's pretty subtle, I think, when you're you're talking about club games. It's probably more of an impact at the highly competitive level, but I think it's good for us to stay uh, as consistent as possible with the World Curling Federation rules.
1: Yeah, maybe uh, more by mistake than than anything else. Uh, people forgetting that we're doing five rock rule, uh, more than anything else. Yeah,
4: yeah, that is probably going to be the major issue: is people uh, going ahead and hitting that rock when they weren't supposed to.
1: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and, and I would suspect that it might increase our game time a little bit just because we're thinking that through a little too much. Um, but you know, I think at the end of the day, we have. We have such a great club, and uh, I really do appreciate you spending the time with us, Chris, to talk a little bit about it. Uh, you know, I want to make sure that our listeners get a chance to visit our club uh, for its many bond this season, including uh, the Death by Chocolate, which is a women's event. We've got the GNCC Men's Club Playdowns this year. And of course, at the end of the year, we've got the Curling the Gathering Open event in April. Um, how can people find out more about the Rochester Curling Club, Chris? <laughs>
4: if you go to rochestercurling.org and i believe also the gncc website and us usa curling websites uh, you will uh, find uh, our 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 listings on all of those uh, sites but of course if you do, if you're focused on what what can i do at the rochester curling club go to rochestercurling.org and you will find events listings and uh, contact information for how to get over here. If you're a member from another club and you happen to be in town, we always welcome uh, visitors and uh, encourage you to see if you can come in and sub in a, in a league night or join a group, whatever you can.
1: Well, thanks so much, Chris. Again, that that was Chris Lee, president of the Rochester Curling Club. If you'd like to have your club profiled in the segment that you can't refuse – you can email me, Joe Calabrese, at 12 at gmail.com. So that's 12thNSN at gmail.com. We'll be back with more from the Extra Extra End right after this.
0: great interview though there joe with chris lee from your club there in rochester man thanks for thanks for kicking off the segment you can't refuse kind of your baby that you started i loved it great work friend
1: well thanks so much man i'm looking forward to it we have uh Craig Fisher is going to be lined up for us next week, Fort Wayne Curling Club. Looking forward to talking with him.
0: Yeah, make sure, again, folks, if you want your club spotlighted, we would love to talk with you about what your club is up to, what you guys are doing, uh, anything neat, interesting, uh, just a little bit about your club. Certainly a lot of clubs that have been around for a long time around the country you know, want to hear some of your history and things that you guys are up to. So let us know. Let us know about being featured on this segment, You Can't Refuse. We want to talk with you. Let us know on the 12th in sports network, uh, go to our uh, website, send us an email, go to us on Facebook, you know, check it out, but let us know. All right, Joe, before I get into it, we'll talk a little NFL on the way out the door, because I know one and three, your bills are, uh, you know, they've taken the gas pipe right out of the gate this year. And my Panthers aren't a whole lot better, but I'm, I'm, I'm bracing, I'm bracing. My Atlanta Braves are back in the playoffs. I honestly I really don't care what happens with college football. I really – well, I'm not going to say I don't care about college basketball being a Kentucky grad because that would be a lie. As long as the Braves can go and hold their own, I'm going to be ecstatic because simply making it back to the playoffs with this team, I am utterly thrilled and cannot wait.
1: Yeah, fall is in the air, and uh, fall classic just around the corner.
0: Rocktober, baby. Go Braves. Chop on. All right. This week, a couple of events. We got uh, the Stu Cells tankered up in Toronto. We got a couple teams playing up there. Schuster's going to be playing there. We got the St. Paul Cash Spiel. I know Greg Persinger and those guys are going to be back on the ice after going to the Curling World Cup in Suzhou, China. They're going to be at the St. Paul Cash Spiel. I've already seen uh, trash talk on Twitter from Colin uh, Huffman trying to uh, fire a few shots at at, uh, Schuster and them about not coming to the St. Paul. Then we also got the, uh, Swiss cup in uh, Basel Switzerland. And then we also have, uh, uh, also in Switzerland, we've got the or Sweden. We've got the Stockholm ladies cup, uh, that'll be taking place this week. And so really things are quickly heating up Joe. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: you know, that, that St. Paul cash Spiel is going to be on TESN all weekend long. And we've got so many of the players from who are at nationals this past year going to be a part of that. Yep. And, uh, I noticed a team that I I can't wait to I wish I could be there to see this team. It'd be Craig Brown, Bill Stopera, Dean Gemmel, and Mark Lazar. I can't wait to watch <laughs> oh, those man. guys
0: work That's... together.
1: That should be a lot of fun. And then you got Brundage out there, you got Dunham. Uh, Corey Dropkin's team's gonna be out there. Uh we even have a team from South Korea gonna be playing. So I mean it's it's a it's a good field, and uh, I'm excited that it's going to be on TESN this weekend.
0: Yeah, let's cure lupus, that cash spiel. Regan Burr just does a great job expanding her work around lupus research. You know, something near and dear to my heart with my mom passing away of lupus back in 2002. So, you know, a huge, uh, just great work by, by Regan, continuing to expand the reach and uh, the research uh, funding that she's uh, working on uh, with lupus just really awesome. So yeah, check that out online yeah. this weekend, man. It should be, like you said, some really good teams and you know, who knows uh, even, who might surprise. I'm
1: yeah. I'm even noticing so on, on the women's side, Regan found herself quite the ringer of a team herself. She's got uh, Allison Pottinger, Courtney George and Jordan Moulton uh, playing with her. So I think that that's going to be quite the team uh, getting there. And some, some really good, strong teams there. Kim Rime, uh is going to be playing there as well. Kate Flannery and uh, Anne-Marie Duberstein, uh, all going to be skipping teams there.
0: Yeah, really good field. So, uh, you know, can't wait to see what happens uh, there in St. Paul this weekend. And mention the other events we got the uh, – w- would be remiss if we didn't mention the Members Assembly, which is coming up uh, here uh, in another week. That one's going to be up in New York, Joe. And uh, if you haven't signed up, I'm not sure if it's full or not. I'm sure they will always take you. Uh, the United States curling Associ- association at the members assembly, but you know, the annual gathering is going to be taking place out this way for the first time.
1: Yeah. You know, out here in the East coast, a few hours away from Rochester. Uh, so it's, it's not a, you know, if you're from the Rochester club, listen to Chris Lee, it's, it's a pretty short drive out to Albany. Check this out. Uh, I'm sure if you go to USCA, uh, uh their website at usacurl.org, you can find out more information.
0: All right, what did we miss? I'm trying to go back through the, the the brain bank to remember what all did we miss because I think we hit on a whole lot of it as quickly as we could to move through because, honestly, we could do two or three hours really Just catching up, but uh, I think we've hit most of it as things are really gearing up. And you know, the curling World Cup that second leg is going to be coming to Omaha uh, in December. So make sure to get your tickets with the Omaha Sports Commission. You know, uh, Jamie Sinclair's rank going to be there. Uh, I believe it's uh, I can't remember who's playing. I think it's uh, Joe Polo and Tab are playing mixed doubles, and I believe Schuster is on the men's side. So that should be really good stuff. So before we get out the door, Joe, your Buffalo Bills. Give me the, just give me a report. I mean, I guess the only saving grace you got is, you know, a lot of our listeners there in the twin cities, you beat down the Minnesota Vikings 27 to six, but that being the the lone bright spot so far.
1: Yeah. Then the the rest of my curling friends got me back when the Packers destroyed us this past week and shut us out. Um, You know, the the bills are a uh, rebuilding uh, team is the way that, that we're going to categorize them. Um, They have a quarterback. He's big. It has a strong arm, but we'll see if he can actually play. I mean, he's a rookie. We'll see. And uh, I'm excited uh, for maybe two years from now when we get rid of all this dead cap money and we can bring in some free agents
0: that might actually bail out this team. Well, I think your maybe your season tickets on the front row of uh you know of the Bills Stadium may may not be worth what they usually are, but certainly uh, if the Bills get this thing going, I, the only thing I can tell you about the Buffalo Bills is one thing guys quitting in the middle of a game and deciding to retire and walk out. That's where, when you know you got things in a rough situation.
1: Yeah, that's not (laughs) ideal. Suboptimal as Dean Gemmel might say.
0: Suboptimal is being kind.
1: Yeah. I I don't know what happened there. I think he had come off an injury. He was not, uh, he didn't play the first week and he was, uh, I think just a little frustrated that he wasn't getting the time that he was hoping for. And, Decided to quit on his teammates and and guys, veterans like Lorenzo Alexander did not take kindly to
0: that. Uh, I would neither. I would not either. Quitting on deciding to, if you know after the game that your body cannot take it anymore and you want to walk away. I got no problem with that, especially as a professional. But in the middle of a game at halftime to pack your crap up and walk out and say I'm done. I mean, you don't. You can't exactly. You know, figure that thing out on the sideline if you realize, oh, he's not here. He's done. I mean, you, there's nothing you can do about it until after the game. And so I just think that stinks to high heaven. But I thought it was an unfortunate move. But nonetheless, you move on and, you know, the Bills will be the Bills.
1: That's right. And, you know, we nobody circles the bag, the wagons, the, the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Nobody. They, j- they circle the baggins too. <laughs> They're going to need to circle a whole lot of things because they aren't going to be circling a lot of wins.
0: Yeah, you go through a lot of tables. Uh, you know, jumping off uh, cars through tables too. What do you, what, what's the mafia called? What what is it?
1: Uh, the Bills Mafia. The oh Bills
0: Mafia. Goodness. Yeah, they they came down not too far from this way, about five hours away to Jacksonville last year. In the playoffs, but uh, let's play this thing off and get out of here. Joe is uh, sounds the, good. The first episode is in the books. We got a long season ahead. I'm talking long season, but we'll be with you until the spring. Price Atkinson, myself, and Joe Calabrese on the 12th In Sports Network. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Make sure you go to Blog Talk Radio to listen to us. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Stitcher. A lot of different ways. Make sure if you like it, you give us a review. We'll take five stars. We'll take four. We'll take three. We'll take two and one. Just rate us so everybody can find us a little bit easier. But until next week, we'll see you then on the 12th in Sports Network's Extra Extra End Podcast. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra End Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Follow the 12th in Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra End Podcast.
3: The Lexus NX is crafted to take on the modern adventure called life. Alexa, what's the quickest route home? With Amazon Alexa compatibility and the advanced Lexus safety system, the Lexus NX is modern utility for the modern world because modern obstacles require modern
0: solutions.
3: Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.
2: Amazon Alexa and all related logos are trademarks of Amazon.com Inc or its affiliates. Not all Amazon Alexa functionality is available for in-vehicle use.